From the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio, this is Injury Insider with Derek Hayes. Injured in Georgia? Make the right call to the law office of Derek M. Hayes at 404-777-HURT. Injury Insider is presented by Status Home Design, your one-stop shop for all your home and gift needs. Hello and welcome to Injury Insider with Derek Hayes on Business Radio X. We are broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio in the Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. This show will answer legal questions and debunk personal injury myths with insight and expertise. For nearly 25 years, Derek Hayes has exclusively represented injured parties in Georgia. Now he'd like to put that knowledge to work for you. My name is Lita Brooks, and it's my pleasure to introduce the star of the show, Derek Hayes. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I'm looking forward to this show. This is a fun one. This is a really good show. Yeah. It was definitely my favorite topic from all the past shows that you've done. Before we begin, a quick reminder that Injury Insider is brought to you by Status Home Design, your one-stop shop for all your home and gift needs, and by the law office of Derek M. Hayes. Injured in Georgia, make the right call to the law office of Derek M. Hayes at 404-777-HURT. All right, what I was going to say is sometimes just talking about the law can be very, very, very boring. Trust Not me. on your show. But but we try and bring some some fun and, and entertainment to it. But this is by far a lot more entertaining, a lot more fun than just talking about slip and fall and dog bite cases and car wreck claims and all those wonderful topics we've covered in past shows. So last year or in the past that since we've been taping uh-huh. we was it one or two shows was, was this well, condensed was, to one it was one show that did this and then the second show covered the winner okay so, to speak. so we did a show on the 20 most outrageous lawsuits yeah crazy crazy <laughs> crazy lawsuits right and it was such a big hit we ran a contest where people submitted their answers to you via social media Correct. and on your website and we would poll, and even while we were waiting on the results, because there's a gap of a week or two yes. between the show and then the results show, we couldn't stop talking about it. Oh, <laughs> you're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this. So we polled everybody we knew, and we had this big collective uh, results show of all yes. these people that had submitted. That was so fun. And I know we'll still go to parties and yeah. talk about some of the crazy lawsuits. And people can't believe, because they're so crazy, the fact that someone sued over certain issues. Go back and listen to that one, because it is very entertaining. But this will be the second version of that. And I've titled this one, Lowering the Bar, 20 More of the Craziest Lawsuits. So you found 20 more. Oh, yeah. Well, there are plenty more, but I, I limited it to 20 <laughs> oh, more. That's okay. a good way to put it. Okay. That's a okay. real good way to put it. Well, that's it's going to be fun. Hang tight with us. We have one announcement yes, that we, we want to make before we jump into today's show. Derek, this is your show. Take it away. Well, Lita is not only the host of my show, but she and I have been together as a couple now for a little over three years. And on Saturday night, this is now Wednesday. We're taping on a Wednesday. Uh, Saturday night, just this last weekend, I got down on a knee and I proposed marriage and she accepted. And so now we are officially engaged. We're engaged. She is truly my significant other. He keeps saying that too. Every time I call, he'll, he want, he, hello, How's my wife, wife to be? <laughs> How's my fiance? And I just let it roll. <laughs> yes, Anyway, it's very sweet. And the moment was beautiful and special. And I had no idea. I tell everyone I hoped 
but I didn't know because a lot of holidays have come and gone in the last three years, but the timing wasn't right and it, it all happened just the way it was supposed to yeah. on Saturday night. Absolutely. And, and I'm going to plug your show, Status Life with Lita, L-E-T-A. Another incredible podcast. I encourage you to go back and listen to the most recent episode. We actually discussed the engagement, how it went we down. We did. We did an entire show. And we didn't even mean to, but it again, my show right. is storytelling and it's a lifestyle podcast. Uh, Derek is the host of my show, as I am the host of his. And that is because there's no one better to sit across the table for, from each other uh, on our shows. And so instead of going into all that here on the legal podcast and having two shows about our engagement, we're just encouraging you all to go to Status Life with Lita. Get the story. It is fabulous. It's beautiful. And we talked a lot in some previous shows of mine. Um, I'm digressing here, but stay with me. We did a whole series on blending families and the do's and don'ts. Also a great series, but a lot of that really came to head on Saturday night. And we go into that in the show. Yes. So that was very important for us and for all four of our children. That's so. right. That's right. So definitely go back and listen to that. And also go back and listen to many of the other episodes of Status Life with Lisa. Sure. You'll be very entertained. I'm very entertaining. Yes, you are. Yeah. That's why, why you're hosting my show. So, but today on, on this right, podcast, the fun one. All uh, right. Before we go, get into sorry. this, I yes. want to say a couple of things. Number one, when I could, I listed the year and, and we'll discuss the year that this happened or with the lawsuit was filed, where it occurred, what state, or if it was a different country. There were some where I couldn't find specific outcomes, whether there was a dismissal of a lawsuit or a lawsuit was ever actually pursued or whether or not a judge threw it out or if there was a verdict. So where I could, I kind of put the outcome there. So some of these uh, you, you'll hear beginning all the way to the end. Others, they really didn't follow up as to what happened to it. But enjoy. These are really, really crazy. And when we're done, uh, I want everybody to send in their vote for what the give me the top three. Number one, number two and number three. I had votes from all over the country with the last one. It was great. And yes. we even voted here in the studio. Everybody get to say which one they thought was the craziest. And we're going to do that today as well. We're going to get votes from everybody here in the studio because uh, I'm curious to hear what your answers are. I already know because I've prepared the show what my favorite crazy lawsuits are. And I haven't seen are. these yet. I'm no, gonna you haven't. Be, That's I'm going to be hearing these and, and going through these just uh, with our listeners. Um, so... What I was going to say, go back to the last show. What was the number one so, from the last 20? Again, we did 20, and, and they were did uh, the top three. So we'll go with number three, and the drum roll for number three. It was a gentleman who sued an armament company that makes ammunition. He had gone on a safari hunt over in Africa, and a lion charged him, and he shot, and he hit the lion. The lion didn't die, and the lion attacked him and mauled him pretty badly. So the man sued the armament company because he claimed the bullet wasn't effective enough to kill the lion. <laughs> Even though the shot did hit the lion, mm -hmm. it hit the lion in the shoulder. Well, unfortunately, a shoulder shot in a charging lion is not going to do anything to take them down. So the man was mauled. So instead of taking responsibility for the fact he apparently is not a great shot, he sued the armament company. And it was thrown out. There was no recovery in his favor. But that was number three. Number two was a man who decided that uh, after visiting SeaWorld with the family and going to the gift shop and getting a plush sea, uh, a, a, a Shamu Killer Well plush toy, a, a stuffed animal, he thought what wonderful thing it would be to, to hop in the tank and swim with a Killer Well. This man was 39 years old, so 
He stayed after hours one night, hid, and then when the park closed, he came out of his hiding place and he decided to jump in the tank with the killer well. Well, when he jumped in the tank with a well, the killer well does what a killer well does. It killed him. So the family sued SeaWorld, claiming that the fact that they sold stuffed animals in the gift shop and did these shows, it made people think that, that killer wells were actually cuddly and sweet. That the stuffed animals were made to look what friendly, friendly and cuddly. And Oh, my gosh. And so the man was killed by the killer well. That was number two. Yeah, now for the jumping number in one, the tank. Right. The number one craziest lawsuit. I'm sure you probably this remember this. This is a doozy. This. Oh, I'll never oh, yeah. forget this. It was a gentleman who sued his wife because their children were <laughs> ugly. He sued his wife an ugly because baby. they had ugly, it was an ugly, uh, baby. ugly baby. Right. Yes. And the premise behind this was <laughs> that he, and it was in Japan or China somewhere, he sued his wife because... Apparently, before he met her, she had had lots and lots and lots of plastic surgery. So the real wife no longer looked like she did prior to him meeting her. Uh, in fact, she apparently looked very attractive and attractive enough he thought he would marry her, and he did. But apparently the babies came out looking like pre-plastic surgery version of her. So he sued his wife because the baby was ugly, the babies were ugly, and he actually won. <gasps> The court gave him money. I forgot the that The jury part. gave him money oh because gosh. of the false pretenses of marrying him without telling him she had previously had plastic surgery. So to think dad thinks his own kids are ugly enough, he's going to sue mom for producing ugly babies. So wow. that was the number one craziest lawsuit. Yeah, and, and it very well should be. So oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, we yeah. have a lot to cover. So we're going to jump into now. These are in no particular order. No so order. I'm right. going to number these only because if you're listening and you'd like to vote and you're driving or something, you can just remember the number. OK, yeah, yeah, and you can works. submit the number. So that again, may be the title, too. Right. Of course. Of course. But if, if you're, you know, on a treadmill or walking around a park, wherever you listen to podcasts, um, all you have to do is re- try to remember the number and and any part of the title. And that will be sufficient enough for your vote. Yes. OK. All right. So this is number one on our list today. And Derek has called this Uber ruined my marriage. And this was this took place in 2017. Yes. And the irony, I guess we just talked about getting engaged. That has nothing to do with that. Uber nothing ruined to my do marriage. That that. So, yes, All this, right, this tell one us is about it. Like you said, 2017, a businessman sued Uber for forty eight million dollars in 2017. Now, here was the problem. He claimed that a flaw in the ride-sharing company's app played a role in breaking up his marriage. So he had borrowed his wife's cell phone, and he used it to log on to the Uber app, again, with wife's cell phone. And when I ended the show last time, the 20 Crazy Lawsuits, I teased this one. So if it sounds familiar, this is the one I referenced, saying that when we do another show, it's going to be on there. But anyway, this guy had his wife's phone, used his wife's Uber app, and he called an Uber. Well, as a result, the app continued to send notifications to his wife's cell phone about his whereabouts whenever he used Uber. Okay. So he alleged that it was a glitch in the app that continued to notify his wife even after he had logged off. Because of that, the wife was able to keep up with his movements, and it caused a problem that led to discovering multiple affairs Hmm. where her husband was claiming to be one place, but the Uber app showed he was somewhere completely different. And it led to the end of the marriage. It landed in divorce. She was following him. Well, yeah, she had the Uber app. I mean, she uh, couldn't help it. Yes, good so for her. So the app is saying, we're picking you up at this yep. location, taking you here. 
And it turns out it was husband using the Uber app to go and see other women and the affairs were discovered. And that's what led to the divorce. So he thought, well, fine, I'll sue Uber. And he did for 20 uh, from for 48 million. But it was thrown out. I'm going to cheat on my wife and I'm going to sue Uber because I'm doing something wrong. Right. I mean, come because on. They disclosed it. I feel like I'm going to say that a lot in this show. But my goodness. Yeah. So that's okay. number one. OK. Yep. Uber it, ruined my marriage. Uber ruined my marriage. That is truly worthy of being on the show because that is ludicrous. Yes. All right. Number two on our list, my imported beer came from St. Louis. That's what we've titled this. My imported beer came from St. Louis. This case happened in 2013. Correct. So some beer drinkers filed a class action lawsuit against Anheuser-Busch seeking more than $5 million. And here's why. They claim deceptive packaging caused them to believe that the beverage they that they were getting was manufactured in Germany. You've heard of Beck's beer. Mm-hmm. Beck's beer is a German beer. Mm-hmm. The, yes. The uh, label and everything they alleged made them believe that the beer was actually manufactured in Germany. However, the production of Beck's beer was moved to St. Louis, Missouri in 2012. But made in the USA was almost non-existent on the label. So they felt like, under false pretenses, they were believing they were buying an imported beer from Germany. But in reality, it was bottled in St. Louis, Missouri. So the result of this, the court ruled in the plaintiff's favor. So the court found in favor of the people that filed the class action lawsuit. And the U.S. approved a settlement for customers to purchase Beck's beer. Uh, Beck's Pilsner, Beck's Dark, Beck's Light, and Beck's Oktoberfest beer from May 1 of 2011 until June 23rd of 2015 when the label was changed. Those that had purchased beer, if they had a receipt, the court granted them up to $50 per household if they had a receipt showing they'd purchased any Beck's beer during that window of time. If they didn't have a receipt but claimed that they had purchased Beck's beer within that window of time, the court gave them $12. (laughs) So they (laughs) sued for $5 million. Each person as part of the class got 50 bucks if they had a receipt or $12 if they didn't have a receipt because they presumed that Beck's beer, a German beer, was manufactured in Germany. Instead, it was St. Louis. But it used to be. Yes. Just because they moved they it. They moved it into the, didn't change anything about the taste of the beer, how it was brewed, the process, none of that was changed. It's just that on the label it didn't say made in the USA. So they felt like it was deceptive. Okay. And apparently the court agreed and so they wow. they were able well, to Well, the court didn't agree to 5 million. No. Well, so 50 you could bucks a person with a receipt. Possibly get $12. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's really worth your time. That's just my two cents on it. So, okay, that was fabulous. Uh, This is uh, number three on our list. Uh, Derek has titled this, I'm a fireman, but I am terrified of fire. (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait to hear this one. Yeah, so this is 2014, all right? A Houston, Texas fireman uh, by the name of Shane Proler. Yeah, he's afraid of fire. Shane doesn't like fire, but he's a fireman. As a result, he was reassigned to an office position so he would not have to come in direct contact with the fires that scared him. So, again, he's a fireman, and he's afraid of fire. So he's given a desk job just so he doesn't have to come deal with fires. Since he wanted to remain in his former job in the fire suppression unit, or in other words, those that put out the fires, that wasn't good enough for him to sit behind a desk. So he claimed that his fear was a disability and that he was being discriminated against because of his disability. 
His case, case made it all the way to the Texas Supreme Court, which ruled there was no evidence that Proler was discriminated against on account of his disability. So, yeah, he's a fireman. He's afraid of fire. So they take him off the fire suppression unit, put him on a desk job. So he claims that that was discriminatory, that his disability, being afraid of fires, that they discriminated against him, and he filed suit, and the, the Texas Supreme Court went all the way up to that level. But he didn't want to be in front of the fire. But he didn't want to sit behind a desk. All he basically wanted to do was collect disability because I'm a fireman, I'm trained to put out fires, but I don't like fires. Okay, well, then we're going to put you to a desk job. So they did. And then he filed suit claiming, I want to put out fires. But I can't oh put out fires because I'm afraid of fires. Yeah, no. I... And this was a lawsuit. Okay. okay. And do we know the result on this one? Yeah, the Texas Supreme Court threw it out. Oh, you read that. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. They okay, sorry. There was no evidence that he was being discriminated against right. on account of his disability. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're I mean, speechless. I'm quite, so I am absolutely speechless. I'm quite certain if he was put back in the fire suppression unit and said, okay, you're not discriminated against. You go fight fires. You're now on What's shift. hide in the truck? Right? That is not who I want to show up at <laughs> right. my house to help right. me, my children, and my pets yeah. if there is a fire at my house. And he's afraid. Yeah. He's not, yeah, he's not coming in. He's not helping. So, anyway, more power to him. All right. <laughs> number four on our list. We have this titled, Drinking Beer Doesn't Make Your Dreams Come True. <laughs> this as is if, 1993. Right. As if we all didn't know that, that the court had to, to figure this one out for somebody. And the plaintiffs did lose in this one. So in this one, we've all seen many beer commercials over the years. You, you see all kinds of commercials. Typically, you'll see beaches. You'll see good-looking men, good-looking women, the Clydesdales, all these fun, incredible wonderful things that surround the beer commercials. Well, although the majority of the population, I think us too, we know that none of that's real. But a guy by the name of Richard Overton believed it was, at least so he claims. So in 1993, he sued Anheuser-Busch for $10,000 for false advertising. He claimed that the beer ad caused him emotional distress, mental injury, and financial loss. Mr. Overton said that the company's ad showed beer's ability to enable, and he quotes this, scenic tropical settings and beautiful women and men engaged in un unrestricted merriment, unquote, when this was actually not the case. So he lost his lawsuit. <laughs> yeah, he sued because drinking a beer did not oh, suddenly put him on the beach with gosh. a bunch of good looking men and women or in some scenic, beautiful area. Uh, that's. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. Thank you from the peanut gallery. I, it just, it's <laughs> unbelievable. Obviously, this man has never taken a marketing class in his life and doesn't know how you actually market products to get people to buy them. Second of all, the fact that he thought this was a lawsuit. Yeah. Yeah. That this was worthy of some sort of compensation. Now, I don't know this is a fact, but I will say that a lot of these were probably not involving attorneys. You can file suit in some states pro se in state court, meaning you don't have to have an attorney. So as an attorney, I never would have clearly touched this case. But doesn't mean somebody didn't. I don't know whether this one was one that had an attorney or not. But, yeah, he sued Anheuser-Busch for $10,000 
because drinking that deep beer did not suddenly project him to a beach somewhere with a bunch of fun people. Wow. And again, the quote, scenic tropical settings and beautiful men and women engaged in unrestricted merriment. Next time we're sitting on a beach, ooh, maybe our honeymoon, we're going to cheers to Richard Overton <laughs> and right. say, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. Our dreams did come true, and we're That's drinking right. this beer. And we're drinking. We're going to enjoy that. Right. There you go. All right. Uh, number five on our list. Again, these are in no particular order. I'm numbering these in case you're doing something and you're just trying to remember uh, which one you want to vote for. Derek has this titled, Michael Jordan is my doppelganger. <laughs> I can barely <laughs> so, get through these without laughing. I, I, if you don't know what the word doppelganger means, it means that you have someone who's a lookalike, exact yes. lookalike of you. Doesn't mean they're a celebrity necessarily, but it means that there's somebody else that looks exactly like you. And supposedly we all have at least one doppelganger walking the face of the earth. Well, for this guy, this was back in 2006. The lawsuit was dropped, so it never made it to court. Uh, you know, many people would be happy if they looked like a celebrity unless the celebrity was as famous and loved as Michael Jordan, apparently. Now, in, in 2006, like I said, a guy by the name of Alan Ray Heckard from Portland, Oregon, sued Michael Jordan, the basketball legend, Nike promoting uh, Michael Jordan, for more than $800 million. <gasps> That's what he was asking for? $800 oh, million. Dollars. So his claim was that he had been confused uh, for Michael Jordan every day for the last 15 years. People confused him as being Michael Jordan, and that because of that, it has caused him permanent injury and emotional pain and suffering. He should have just capitalized on it. Well, yeah, autograph sessions right. or celebrity lookalike, you know, birthday parties. You can, they or, do that is a career in Vegas, yes, right, yes. or Atlantic City or anywhere. You can learn how to shoot a basketball, dribble a basketball, and hey, wow. you, you can yeah. dress up as Michael Jordan and make some money off of it. Instead, he sued Michael Jordan for for eight hundred million dollars. Because he looked like him. I really want to see what he looks like. Well, I know. I do, too. I want, I you got to Google the name. <laughs> Alan, Alan Ray. Alan Ray Heckard. Heckard. H -E Are you kidding me? H-E-C-K-A-R-D. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alan Ray Heckard. So All he right. must like, Michael look a lot like Jordan. Michael Jordan's 800 million. Wow. All right. Number six. Where's my chicken sandwich? This is recent. This was 2019. Yeah. And, and this one is still pending. Oh, this one, okay. It would probably have gone to trial by now, except for the fact COVID's had courts shut down All just right. about everywhere. Well, we're going to have to follow this uh, one. And, and you'll probably recognize the story as I get into it. So uh, this came from Tennessee. A Tennessee man sued the fast food chain Popeye's, Popeye's Louisiana Chicken. You remember when they came out with their chicken sandwich? Yes, all the the yeah. Craze, everybody right? ran out. There were mm -hmm. fights in drive-throughs. Mm -hmm. There were car wrecks in drive-throughs. There were lines around the corner, not buying gas, but apparently wanting to buy a chicken sandwich from Popeyes. Yeah. So this guy sued Popeyes for five thousand dollars for running out of its famous chicken sandwich, because here was his claim. He claimed that the restaurant wasted his time trying to fill his order. So the guy's name was Craig Bard, B-A-R-R. -R. He said that the company deceptively advertised the sandwich, which was only available for a limited time in August. This was the initial launch of this, just for August of 2019. So Barr is also suing for damages to his car. It said that it occurred while he was in the parking lot of the Popeyes. So the case is scheduled to go to trial sometime soon. Maybe January of 2022 is when the courts are potentially going to open back up again. So he sued Popeyes because they ran out of the chicken sandwich. I mean, for $5,000. What happened to his car? I don't know. Didn't say. Probably ran out of gas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. That was mean. Yeah. 
Oh, okay. Well, Craig, good luck to you. If that chicken sandwich was worth $5,000, I mean, wouldn't that be court fees? And isn't that about yeah. how much it costs anyways? They're, they're called crazy lawsuits for a reason. That's right. Don't forget. You're exactly right. Okay. Oh, here we are. Number seven. You have this titled, Give Me Your Cell Phone. This is also relatively recent, a 2017 lawsuit. So this one would will not occur in the U.S. If it did, I'd be shocked. But this one came from Spain, and I think every parent knows about this kind of situation. So a 15-year-old boy, 15, 15-year-old boy in Spain sued his mother, his mom. He claimed that he was mistreated after she took his cell phone to try and get him to study. Wow. To study. He's 15 years old. Mom took his cell phone. So he sued, claiming that she mistreated him. Uh-huh. Because she wanted him to study. Okay. He also sought jail time for his mom and, oh, reimburse- no. and reimbursement for his his legal expenses. <gasps> A judge clearly ruled in favor of mom, saying that she was within her rights and acted responsibly to get her son to crack oh, the books and study. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Say what? <laughs> yeah, yeah that's that an appropriate sound effect there. So wow. 15-year-old. Give me your cell phone. Instead, he sues mom, claiming that he mistreated or she mistreated him and asked for jail time. I wonder what their relationship is like. I don't know. I bet he's a handful. (laughs) Exactly. 2017. So he was 15. He's he's on his own now. Yeah. Or not. Maybe he didn't study and and he still lives with mom. I don't know. Yep. All right. Number eight, a shocking case of trespassing. This was 2002. Correct, correct. Okay. And this one, the plaintiff does win. So oh, I'm going to go through the facts. All right, you gave us the end. Right, exactly. Right. So listen to the facts, and, and then we'll talk about the win. So uh, this one is proof that you can win a lawsuit uh, if you're injured while trespassing on somebody else's property. So listen to the facts. Okay. Lancaster, Pennsylvania. There were two teens that were severely burned while on top of a parked railroad car. They were skateboarding Jeffrey Klein and, and Brett uh birdwell they illegally entered a properly owned uh amtrak norfolk southern scrapyard or a parking lot area for the train cars and they climbed on top of a box car in hopes of getting the view of the city okay again this is lancaster pennsylvania see two teenagers doing that sure an uninsulated wire suspended above the train jolted klein with twelve thousand five hundred volts of electricity causing burns over 75 percent of his body Birdwell received burns over 12% of his body. Um, (gasps) Both of them, their clothes were on fire. So pretty significant shock. So in October of 2006, the trial occurred. Again, this happened in 02. Went to trial in 06. A jury said that although they were trespassing, the 17-year-old boys bore no responsibility for the accident. None. Instead, the blame fell entirely on Amtrak and Norfolk Southern, for failing to post signs warning of the danger from the electrified wires that power locomotives. So for medical costs, pain and suffering, loss of life pleasures, the teens received a combined $24.2 million. Wow. Now, I'll give you a little background on this. Okay. This is off the point. But in Georgia, and many other states have this, there's a law called attractive nuisance. We covered this. We have covered it. In a prior podcast. Yes. But generally, it's for a younger, much younger child. Now, granted, they're 17 years old, so they're still considered to be minors. They're not 18. And the attractive nuisance doctrine means that if you do have something that is potentially hazardous, you have to to uh, 
to build build a fence or somehow some way prevent specifically children because they can get injured. Think about a pool, pool, a swimming uh, pool. Exactly what was about. To you build a thinking. fence because you're required mm-hmm. by law to do that. But it's also too to prevent young children from the neighbor's house or down the street falling into your pool and drowning. Mm-hmm. So the attractive nuisance doctrine requires that you protect others that may be trespassers. But I would have argued, and I'm sure that the defense attorney did, that these kids are 17. They have a little bit more knowledge than a 10-year-old or a 5-year-old. But yet they climbed on top of the boxcar, were shocked and severely injured, and wound up with a $24.2 million verdict. I just, I'm thinking of this. Even if that jury, you know, when they go to trial, they're going to have those medical bills. I mean, what if this is just a, maybe they're not liable, but Amtrak's got deep pockets. Let's give these two boys some compensation to help the them for the rest of their life. Sure. And that's probably the motivation. Right? This the is the, the reason we can kind we can point the finger, not even kind of, we can, we can give them compensation, sure. get all their medical bills paid. And I mean, the one that was burned, his, he was on fire. Yes. I mean, what's his quality? Of life? I don't know. Obviously, right. it's the first I'm hearing well, of it. Seventy-five percent of his body—that's yeah, significant. Exactly. I mean, we don't know if he's mm-hmm. facially burned for the rest of his life. I mean, who knows? But I, I don't know. I mean, it's crazy in the situation that happened. Right. That, yeah, they were trespassing because, in reality, they truly were at fault. They the, were somewhere they should not have been. Correct. They could have been arrested for being in there if they had right. not been injured. But, but they what, were injured, so now it makes it Amtrak's fault. Correct. And that's the reason why this one made the cut. It does. It does. I can see it both ways. I can see as a company giving these kids some money for their bills and things. But then I can also see you shouldn't have been there. Right. You You broke the law. You snuck in. Uh All right. Well, let's keep going. I just like to talk about very interesting (laughs) to me. All right. Number nine. This is titled, Who Wears the Pants Here? All right. This one's 2007. Okay. The plaintiff in this one was actually a judge. This is a judge that filed this lawsuit. Okay, keep that in mind. Okay. So a court ruled against the dissatisfied customer, again, also a judge, uh, of a Washington, D.C. dry cleaner. He sued the dry cleaner for, and this was the dollar amount he put in his lawsuit, $54 million for allegedly misplacing his pants. (laughs) One (laughs) pair of pants was lost, and he sued for $54 million. And ordered, uh, well, when he when he lost, he was ordered to pay the company's legal fees, as he should have. But the customer, uh, an administrative law judge by the name of Roy Pearson, uh, could not prove that the store had lost his pants. Uh, his suit was based on the claim that the store's sign out front said, Satisfaction Guaranteed. So that was the basis of his lawsuit. The case drew national attention. I remember seeing this, as well as sympathy for the defendants who received funds online for their defense. They had to pay an attorney to defend this. But a judge sued them for $54 million, claiming that the satisfaction guaranteed sign meant that they had to provide best quality service. And since apparently his pants were lost, he thought $54 million was appropriate. And he's a judge. And he's a judge. Come on. Yeah. I even Are one million me? would be extensive. Right. Yeah. The pair of pants was probably, you know, maybe a tailored pair of pants, 150 bucks. Right. At the most. But yeah. Are yeah. we having a little technical difficulties back there? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> An abundance of sound effects. <laughs> having fun listening to all of these. I know, right? All right. Number 10, the sleepy high school kid, 2008. 
Yes. So this case was dismissed. This was, again, 2008, parents of a Danbury High School student. Uh, I, his last name is Robichard. We'll go with that. Let's just say Vinny. Uh, said that their son suffered hearing loss after one of his teachers slammed her hand on his desk to wake him up during oh math my class. Goodness. The family sued the school, the school board, and the city, but the the case apparently fell on deaf ears. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So the case was dismissed, but because the teacher woke him up, she apparently slammed her hand on the desk to wake him up. Uh, they claimed hearing loss, and they sued everybody. But nice. the case was thrown out. Okay, good. He fell asleep. Yeah. Again, the parents weren't apparently upset about the kid falling asleep. Yeah. So. It's the teacher. Somebody else's fault, right? All exactly. right, number 11, I want my money back. All right. So this one, it's see what you think about this one. I'm okay. just going to read the facts, and, and we'll go from there. So for many Americans, joblessness, you know, it's one of those unfortunate things that happens when the economy goes bad. People can't find jobs. People lose jobs. There are all kinds of reasons. But this girl named Trina Thompson of New York was unable to find a job following her graduation from Monroe College. She filed a $72,000 case lawsuit against the college in 2009. Uh, She graduated with a 2.7 GPA. 2.7. So she's not among the top of her graduating class. Right. And she claimed that her college career services department didn't provide sufficient help with her job search and gave preferential treatment to students with excellent grades. really? So she had a 2.7. She's Mm -hmm. ticked off because those with a 4.0 or or maybe 3.5, whatever, were given preferential treatment. So she sought to regain $70,000 she had spent on tuition for her bachelor's degree in information technology plus an extra $2,000 for the stress caused during her three-month job search. She searched for a job for three months. Right. Out of college. Out of college. Mm-hmm. And it's the college's fault. And probably thinks she should make 72000 Yeah, and right she out of has college. a 2.7 GPA. Well, she's got issues. Sorry, yeah. Trina. Yep. All right. Number 12. Want you hold my hairy hand am i reading that right well it, want you hold my hairy hand yes does that mean won't I, well yes oh <laughs> i i, I well, these are crazy i left off the word i i want you to hold oh my i want okay so it's it's that, either that's way a typographical okay, error on my sorry part. about that i want you to hold my hairy hand okay all right so listen to this one so this is a young man named george he had an ugly scar on his hand and so he went to a surgeon to try and figure out what could be done to eliminate the scar pretty bad scar so the surgeon said okay we can fix that and he grafted skin from george's chest to cover the scar on his hand well george has a hairy chest so oh, now oh my goodness i know what you're about george's to say. skin graft from his chest no. now creates a hairy hand no. so george now has a hairy hand because no. of the skin graft from his chest oh so george sued george. the surgeon and was awarded the difference in value between a hundred percent good hand <laughs> and a hairy hand what, what but would it, that value it didn't be? say the dollar amount so i'm curious i want to know too so george now has a hairy one hairy hand and apparently one hand that's not hairy because they took the skin oh, graft from my his chest gosh. so that's why it was gonna was saying i want you to hold my hairy hand well that definitely makes the list of crazy lawsuits, but yeah. <laughs> who, I mean, don't you think that's something they would have thought about well, before they did a graph you from know, your chest? You could shave the hand. You could you, hair oh removal. Oh, God. I gotta, 
<laughs> Moving on. Oh. All right. This one is called Bubbles in the Fountain. Yes. So uh, July 7th of 2001, somebody thought it would be a pretty good prank to dump detergent in Canal Parks Fountain in Duluth, Minnesota. So it created a mountain of bubbles, as you can imagine. Again, this was early morning, July 7, 2001. So several hours later, a passerby by the name of Kathy Kelly walked into the suds that were coming out of the fountain, and she slipped. She sustained a laceration to her left lower shin. Uh, due to her diabetes, the cut later became infected, resulted in $43,000 in medical expenses. Mm. That You want to talk about wrong place, wrong time. Right, right. Poor thing. But she slipped in the suds that were right. coming out of the fountain. So she sued the city because it had not cleaned up the suds or posted warning signs, despite the fact that municipal workers had received a call concerning the hazard some four hours earlier. So she's saying they knew about it. They had noticed four hours before. They hadn't put signs out. They hadn't cleaned it up. So in March of 2004, a jury found that the city was 70 percent uh, responsible for her injuries and that Kelly was 30% responsible and they awarded her $125,000. Okay. And now the fountain, well, that same fountain has some railing and well, circling it. Covered her medical expenses. Yeah. So they can do that, the percentages. Remember we've talked about this in prior podcasts before as well. It's called comparative contributory negligence where a jury gets to assess a percentage of blame against everybody involved. So if your percentage of fault is 50% or more, you get nothing in a pure comparative contributory negligence state. But if your negligence like this was 30% on Kelly, her award was reduced by 30% to mm -hmm. account for her percentage of negligence. Okay. So when you applied the, the 70%, apparently it came out to be 125,000 that the city had to pay. Sure, okay, no, I do remember that. Um, all right, we're on 14, and I'm just trying to get through these because I want to get yes, to 20 yes, yes. so we can definitely yes, do well, the voting. This one, it says Wendy's Finger, and I know this story. So I, I think, think everybody this, does. Is this the one we all know yes, from the news? Yes. Okay, So I'll Wendy's quickly go Finger. through it. Yes. Right. In March of 2005, uh, a, a lady by the name of Anna Ayala filed a claim against Wednesday, Wendy's franchise owner in San Jose, California. She claimed that she ordered a bowl of chili, and she found a fingertip in the bowl of chili. The bad publicity cost the fast food chain about $21 million in lost sales and cut businesses uh, at some Northern California locations by as much as 50%. So $21 million loss in revenue, business dropped by 50% at all Wendy's chains. But authorities found no evidence of missing fingers at the accused restaurant or anywhere along Wendy's supply chain. Suspicion grew against Ayala, and she eventually was arrested and found guilty of attempting to extort money from Wendy's. Uh, she had served four years of a nine-year sentence as a condition of her probation. She was banned from uh, ever returning to a Wendy's restaurant. Um, but they did find that, that apparently it was traced to a guy by the name of Brian Rossiter, a co-worker of Ayala's husband. He lost, uh, he lost the tip of his finger in a work accident, and he owed the couple $100. So instead of giving $100, he gave them the tip of his finger oh, that God. she then used to drop in the cup of chili at Wendy's to claim that it was in her cup to be able to sue Wendy's. Oh, my gosh. Do you know I have a Wendy's right near my office, and I eat that chili a lot. It's one of my favorite lunches <laughs> is a baked potato. And I have never, ever eaten that chili without thinking about this story. Because well, we heard it. And but I, now we know the rest of the story. I didn't know the rest of it. I didn't know it was all fake. I just, you know, I had heard on the news, you know, Wendy's found a finger in the chili. 
and the chili is phenomenal by the way if you've never eaten it but i just oh oh, i hate that story but i'm glad to know it was all fake and it was all planted and she was arrested but she had sued based on that right because think of the lost sales if all i heard was the top of that story all these years ago from 2005 it probably hinders people from ordering it. Yes. Just <laughs> yes, the way exactly. it doesn't hinder Just me, like but what? I still think about it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that good good for them. Not not for uh, Anna for doing this, for Wendy's, uh, for realizing that it was fake. Yes. So. Okay, number 15 on our list, the 4x4 uh, four four lumber or something close to that. All right. So one or more recent court cases, a, a group of Chicago plaintiffs filed, again, a class action lawsuit against Home Depot. This was back in 2017. They claimed that the 4x4 lumber that they were selling was actually only 3.5 inches by 3.5 inches on each side. So Home Depot and other lumber suppliers explained that a 4x4 is just the name of the boards, that the industry standard dimension is really 3.5 by 3.5. Nevertheless, the plaintiffs were suing for $5 million in damages. So on March 12th of 2018, a U.S. district judge rejected the plaintiff's claim and dismissed the case against Home Depot. Uh, It means the plaintiffs are free to refile at any point if they choose to. It was dismissed without prejudice. But, yeah, they they filed suit because a 4x4 board lumber was actually 3.5 by 3.5. Wow. I mean, that is kind of a big deal. Remember we talked about the the foot-long subs were only about 11.5 inches at at, uh, Subway. This is kind of like that. Was that in the first? Was that in the that top the twenty? One. Okay. Yeah, that was the first twenty. Okay, so that was number fifteen, four by four lumber or something close to that. Yeah. And I've been in construction long enough, twenty years as a designer, twenty-one years now, and you can't make mistakes like that. You can't have lumber that's not exact. So. Well, did you anyway. know that the industry standard is considered to be three and a half by three and a half? Yes. I, I didn't that know. I did I didn't know. know that. Yes. Apparently this group in the class action lawsuit didn't know that either. Well. So there you go. Anyway. All right. So I had promised we were going to get to 20, but for the sake of time, we never have enough time. We no, could go, no, you it know, flies. you, you it flies. work on the show and pull all this up. But we definitely have one more that we want to get to because we feel like the, we're going to get to 16. So we're going to vote on 16. But this last one that we're going to reference is top 16 worthy. And we'll just mention the next four, um, the four that we didn't get to. So we're going to vote after this. So we want to say the last case, and then we're going to tell everybody how to find you and where they can submit their votes. Okay? All right. So number 16 on our list, Derek, you have this titled, Can Someone Make Me a Sandwich or... Does Tesla make a motorhome? I gave it two titles because I, I thought it was worthy of two one. titles. Okay. So I don't know the year on this. I, I tried to find it, but I couldn't. My assumption is it was roughly around the time the technology was developed for cruise control. So you may know where this is going. So a, a woman purchased a 32-foot Winnebago motorhome from a dealership in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So on the way home from a football game, I'm sure they'd gone and tailgated and stayed in the motorhome. She drove on the freeway, and she set the cruise control. So then she left her seat to go <gasps> oh, make herself a sandwich. No. Needless to say, the motorhome veered off the freeway and crashed. So the lady sued Winnebago for the owner's manual that the person actually uh, doesn't say, not writing in the owner's manual, that a person can't actually leave the driver's seat while the cruise control is on. And a jury oh, in Oklahoma awarded gosh. her, get this, $1,750,000 plus... They awarded her a brand new motor home. 
So as a result of that, Winnebago updated their owner's manual to say that if you put it on cruise control, it doesn't mean you can get up and leave the driver's seat. Shame on that jury. That's all I have to say. That's so, my opinion. But come on. She got How up to go she, make a sandwich. Who did she think was going to steer? Well, that's why I say, does this does Tesla make a motor home? That was why it was the second title to oh, this. Oh, my goodness. Yes, she, I guess, assumed that uh, cruise control meant that she could just set it and get up and go. I guess. And and the and people was hearing this in the courtroom sided with her. Yeah. and. I think it's lunacy, but I don't know. I but mean, you think about now all the warning labels that come on things. I, yeah, and they're for her. Right. And people <laughs> for like people her, like her, obviously. Exactly. Right. Exactly. There's a little bit, a whole, not even a little, a whole lot of common sense in there. $1.75 million. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, that was our top 16 of the craziest lawsuits, part two. If you love this show, go back and listen to part one. I urge you. It is equally as entertaining. But all your shows are entertaining, Derek, and very informative. I know uh, I say it on every show almost that I feel like I'm getting a secondhand law degree just by listening to well, all your education. And this one, it's what not to do. Exactly. Right? Exactly. All right. So everyone listening, tell them how to find you. If they have a legal question, if they've been injured, would like to talk to you about representation, or if they would like to submit a vote. All right. I do want to give all the ways to find me, but give me real quick. What's your top number one? You, Lita. Mm. And Mike, that goes to you as well. And Amanda also, if you can give me. I'm, I'm all the way back at number one, that Uber ruined my marriage. Okay. Well, I heard Amanda say that, that Wendy's, the, the tip of the finger in the chili, got her vote. Mike, how about you? I like the first one only because I like seeing guys like that get their comeuppance. The <laughs> one that uh, used Uber and got caught cheating. Well, yes, I, I, I agree with that as well. But I also, too, like poor George, the hairy hand, who now had to yes, follow suit. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I just oh, a visual God. of a guy with one hairy hand and one not. But anyway, that and also the Winnebago. All right, well, go on my website. It's uh, Law Office of Derek M. Hayes. The website is DerekMHayes.com. It's D-E-R-E-K, the letter M, Hayes, H-A-Y-S, DerekMHayes.com. There you can find the podcast tab. You can submit a question. You can also submit a question directly to me. You can also go to my Facebook page, Law Office of Derek M. Hayes. Find me there. Or the Facebook page for Injury Insider with Derek Hayes. Also on Instagram, Derek M. Hayes. You can find me there or call me. My uh, office number is 404-777-HURT or 678-225-0970. As always, the initial consultation is free. I'll be happy to talk to you about your case. But please go online this week and, and vote. All right. Thank you very much for joining us on Injury Insider with Derek Hayes, presented by Status Home Design and the Law Office of Derek M. Hayes. Don't forget that you can enjoy any of our episodes anytime by visiting businessradiox.com, selecting the Gwinnett Studio, and then clicking Injury Insider with Derek Hayes. This program is also available on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, for Derek Hayes, I'm Lita Brooks, and you've been listening to Injury Insider on Business Radio X. 